What's good, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Gifted Hoops Podcast. It's your host with the most. My name is Gifted, and we're back for another podcast. I want to say shout out to all of the supporters since the last podcast, and shout out to my special guest yet again for like the 13th time. Derek Stein of the Not Just Dribble Podcast is here with me today, and we will be covering... uh, Potentially heated conversation, I'm not sure, uh, based on if offense wins championships. Derek, how are you feeling today? What's up, Gifted? I'm doing well. Uh, congratulations, by the way, on your YouTube success as of recently. You know, soaring and climbing with subscribers. Obviously, if you're listening to this show, you should check out Gifted's YouTube page as well for more dope content and extending conversations like this. Uh, so shameless plug out of the way. Yeah, I mean, this all stemmed from the Kevin Durant quote, which I feel like we should just get right into. I guess my immediate answer is, yes, you need offense to win a championship. Bottom line, you can't win with just sheer defense. Having said that, I feel like there's a ton of caveats to cover as far as what that exactly means. Uh, For one, you have to be able to play a semblance of defense at any level to win at the highest level like from aau middle school high school college semi-pro pro across the seas nba you need to be able to play some semblance of defense to win that championship you, you just can't be pure buckets score 140 and beat every team in front of you it has never happened i don't think ever will I see a lot of people discuss this year's champions, the Denver Nuggets, and citing them as an offensive team who wasn't really good at defense, and they won the championship. And I just have major problems with that on a few levels. For one, Nikola Jokic, who of course has been ridiculed many a time for his defensive play, myself included, he's still not the best defensive center that we have in the league, but his defense stepped up as well as the entire team's. Uh, Aaron Gordon was a necessary addition for that Nuggets team to win a championship, and his defense is his best skill, bar none, before we talk talk about anything else. And you had other rotational guys who stepped up and played meaningful minutes that were defensive first. Christian Brown, for example. So, yes, you need offense to win a championship, but you need to be able to play some kind of defense. And I think for me, when I think of offense... I think more about the ability to execute properly. Your ability to execute is actually what KD should mean when he's saying offense is what wins championships. Because you can have a ton of firepower and still lose. KD's been on a couple of teams, matter of fact, who have done that exact same thing. So I think what he means to say should be your ability to execute is how you win championships. So... I'm happy that we haven't discussed this conversation at all until the podcast. Normally, Derek, we we talk about these things and do a whole podcast without recording almost all the time, right? Uh, from my perspective, I took KD's words to really mean half-court offense in the closing moments of a game. Because I think offense absolutely matters i think defense you need to get you to those moments but time and time again 
a constant theme that these teams have in common outside of being pretty good on the defensive side of the basketball is their half-court offense could go get a basket when it really mattered. Having high-level guys who could generate quality looks against good defenses to close out games matters. And, like, if you focus on Denver, right, like, with their great roster, as you mentioned, Jamal Murray and Jokic are partners in the most, like, efficient two-man game in the league, basically, to create great shots for them to close out a game. If you go back to it a year before, right, Steph Curry with his shooting and the two-man game with Draymond, how they pretty much forced Boston to say, Steph, make these 35-footer shots. Steph did, and it broke their defense to the point where they said, okay, let's guard them completely differently, and then everyone else ate off of the Draymond short roll, right? If you go back even a year before that, how the Bucks were able to win the championship, Giannis was put off of the ball as a screener, and Chris Middleton was involved in many half-court offensive possessions where he was able to make mid-range shots and close out the game. So, like, time after time after time, if you go through, like, each champion for, like, the past decade, obviously defense is a key contributor to a bunch of these teams, but their ability to get good shots when it mattered most at the end is really what sealed the deal for them to win titles. So from that perspective, I can agree. But at the same time, I'm not going to say, okay, well, based off me saying that half-court offense is the only contributor. No, like, I think defense matters so much because defense bails out your offense. If you're playing really good defense and you're getting stops, defense feeds into offense and vice versa. So to me, I can't just outright say, yes, only offense wins it. I think it's a multitude of factors, but specifically half-court offense really, really matters in the playoffs, especially in the NBA Finals. Yeah, I mean, I think we agree on a lot of points here. Uh, To me, again, I agree. Like, getting the best shot and making said shot, converting, is, you know, what can put you over the hump to win. To me, that's just a synonym for execution. Like, your ability to execute a half-court offense, whatever that means, whether it's three-point shooting, being, you know, very good in mid-range, getting to the basket, generating looks for others. To me, all of that, you know, is kind of combined. I don't think there's a lot of champions that can win off of one thing. Your ability to execute, really, on both ends is how you become a champion. And to me, the Durant comment, he says offense wins championships. One, because I feel like he knows it's going to get more engagement. If he's you know, tries to use like 160 characters and like, you know, thoughtfully put out what exactly he means by this, he's not going to get the same engagement. He knows exactly what he's doing. But I think he realizes what he's very good at, what he is, you know, a Hall of Famer at is scoring in the half court. As we know, he's one of the best scorers, not only of our generation in NBA history. So clearly it looks like offense is the most important thing because, you know, you would obviously talk about what you're elite at. I just think it's important to throw that context of execution on because we can go through Katie's 
playoffs and his championship runs, and we can see where execution was good and what results happened and where execution was not so good and what results followed because of that. So that's kind of what like where I'm at with Durant on this. I think he acknowledges you need defense. I think in some of the comments I saw from this thread, it suggested like, well, if you didn't score, you weren't even in the game. And it's like, well, Kevin, I hate to point this out, but your championships were when you were a part of a defensive-minded team, a defense-first team in Golden State. I hate to point this out, but you didn't win a championship before that, and you haven't won one since, and those were both offensively slanted teams. The seven years you spent, or six years you spent in OKC before that, you didn't win a chip. You lost to defensive teams. Since then, you've been on offensive-centric teams, quite possibly the most offensively-centric team that we're about to see this upcoming season. And, you know, you could prove us wrong, but history to me would show offense alone isn't going to get you over the hump. I really think if you sit there, right, and you really think about all the teams KD has been on, right, like a lot of people looked at Golden State and said adding KD to Steph and Clay, that offense is going to be like insane. And that's true, right? But what people forget oftentimes is adding Kevin Durant, the reason why it was such a backbreaker for most teams is he fit on both ends of the basketball to the fullest degree of the definition. Because now it's like you have more length with Draymond and Andre and Clay, who could still play defense. So now your lineups are, you know, not having to really sacrifice much of anything on offense or defense. And I think the biggest part that goes underrated is when KD was in the finals, how many possessions did they get stops? And then Steph Curry transition three, KD drive dunk. Like, their defense was so good that they quickly got great transition looks and they ran teams out the gym. I think what people really underrate about defense is as important as executing your offense is, every team is going to have a night where shots aren't going to fall, right? But your defense in terms of your effort, your strategy, and your positioning, that can stay consistent for an entire series if you understand exactly where to be at the end of the day there is variance when it comes down to how offense works and how it functions you can always create great looks right but ultimately you still have to make those looks i mean i'm pretty sure in game seven that rockets team had great looks from three but they missed 27 straight threes and they lost Right. So so like having the defense be there to get you to a point, I think, is more important. But at the same time, if you don't have a functional half court offense, you can also hurt yourself because the more looks that you do not convert, you're leaving the window open for the other team to come down and ultimately send you home. So I can understand both perspectives and I'm not really mad at KD for saying it because from his perspective, it makes sense why he would feel that way. But 
ironically, the way that he won a championship officially is by being on a team that had balance on both ends of the floor. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, you made some fantastic points. The one I was going to bring up, which you kind of already did, was Golden State during the KD years were world-class, like, as far as pace of play and variability in pace. Like, they were able to do whatever they wanted. Uh, statistically, they were fourth in pace uh, and were just had that. Um, an SRS that was first in the league. I know that. Offensive rating, of course, was first. Defensive rating, by the way, was second in the league. So, they, like, they were just top to bottom amazing. And I think their ability to just run and succeed at every level of offense on the court, transition half court, uh, whether it was, you know, within the first second, first six seconds of the shot clock, or the last four, they were getting good looks and converting, but executing extremely well. And part of that is, you know, obviously the raw talent, but again, the execution, like we acknowledge KD was the perfect plug and play guy because you already had a system with three guys that could execute supremely well. They still had players left over that knew how to execute the Steve Kerr and company system. And then you plug KD in, who's already an offensive juggernaut talent-wise by himself, and he can fit in. He can make an extra pass when you need him to. He can get to the basket if you want him to, and he can create in the mid-range in the three. So, you know what? If Golden State runs into some offensive stagnation, against a good defensive team, KD is now the royal bailout system on top of all of those counters you already had baked into a championship team. So having all of that just makes a tremendous difference. And you bring up Houston, which I think is kind of the epitome of this example. You're right. I mean, Houston really lost in Game 7. Yes, they were missing Chris Paul, but they went way too much into their own offensive system. They didn't take an extra dribble or get one foot closer into the paint for a different look. They were just hoisting threes. And they said, this is our, they, they almost kind of like psyched themselves out to me in a way where it's like, the only way we're going to beat them is if we put up more points and just go absolutely bonkers. And you didn't necessarily have to. I mean, in that series, Golden State was on the ropes for a good chunk of it because of the fact that Houston was executing and bit by bit pulling away. Like James Harden was obviously absolutely fantastic in setting up his shooters, but they were just so methodical and executing so well. That's why they were in that series. And then, of course, the Chris Paul injury and, you know, the rest is history. But I feel like if we take it one step further, we look at Kevin Durant before he went to Golden State. They blew a 3-1 lead to Golden State, who goes on, of course, to blow a 3-1 lead to the Cavs. And that Ouch. series does not get... Sorry. Sorry, sorry. I you know, just had to throw that in for you know context. Uh, but KD doesn't execute. And, and the OKC offense doesn't execute. And they lose. And to me, like that is something that... I, I don't know how Kevin would leave that out when talking about this. Because, again, Westbrook and KD were quite possibly the best one-two punch in the league that season. I think it's even, you know, arguable 
to Curry and Clay, some people I think would really take Russ and KD as far as that combination. And, you know, when the going gets tough and you can't convert and you're not getting stops in the other end, that's how you lose, and that's exactly what happened. So I just, I look at that, I'm like, yes, you need offense to win, but that is not the sole way to become a champion. It never has, and I don't think ever will be. This is why, for me, I can't wait, Derek, because now that the NBA Summer League is officially wrapping up, we now have more time to look at older playoff series and older film, which in our Discord we'll be able to, like, you know, watch these games, like these older playoff games, and, like, really see the transition from how the league was compared to now. Because I think that for a very long time, offense matters so, so, so much in those moments because the level of talent that you had on the floor back then just wasn't what it is today, right? Like, now there's so much offensive talent in the league. Like, almost every team has at least two or three guys who can just be marvels offensively. But that's why defense, if anything, comes at a premium a lot more. And I think the best example of this, I would say, is ironically the Miami Heat. Like, that that team, right? On paper, offensively, they don't really have these potent offensive weapons. Butler is a great player. Bam is, you know, as well a great player. But sometimes on offense, they can leave a lot to be asked for, right? However, based on their talent and their skill level, they understand the bare minimums of how to get it done, how to find quality shots on offense, how to get pull-up shots in transition right like they understand how to do all that but a large part of why the heat made it to the finals was based on their defense based on understanding when to throw out a zone how to disrupt players how to make that contribute to, to their offense in transition that is how they had a lot of success but ultimately why were they outclassed Derek because offensively they did not have a true creator who could break down and create multiple advantages off of the bounce consistently. And to be fair, Butler was injured. This is true. But I still don't think Butler, in a vacuum, is that consistent guy who can output that at a higher volume, like a Curry, like a Luka Doncic, right? Like that that type of offensive player that we're talking about. And it just matters so much because how many times did you see their offense turn into Max Struess, please make this three, Gabe Vincent, please make this three, and Butler was not at all in the game offensively, right? Like, when you're not having a creator be consistent in that role, guess what you're doing? You're giving up shots and you're letting the other team get out and run, and then next thing you know you're down 3-1 in the NBA Finals, and that's exactly what happened for the Heat. Yeah, I mean, I think to to the Heat point, we saw them struggle in the regular season, and, you know, Jimmy Butler, of course, we've, we've talked about as a player who doesn't seem to care about the regular season until February. They were 25th in offensive rating, uh, almost dead last in pace. Points per game, they were dead last. 
the reason why they won, to your point, is because of defense. They were second in the league in opponent points per game. Uh, defensive rating, they were only ninth, but I think it got pretty close, uh, especially near the end. And then they get into the playoffs, and they're missing... I You know, much has been talked about Tyler Hero, but he did play the second most minutes for the Heat all season. I, I think he was a pretty big part of their offense, uh, regardless of what we think of his ceiling and stuff like that as a player. So now they're missing really their second best option offensively. I think that might be fair to say. Uh, and they're asking guys like Caleb Martin, Max Schurz, Gabe Vincent to take far more. Uh, offensive loads and just be, you know, bigger pieces. And throughout the playoffs, they were executing on good looks, shots that really they just weren't falling in the regular season. They were now hitting. And, you know, part of it's luck, but part of it, I think, is just a well conditioned, well coached, organized team can convert on this. And I think Struce, Martin, and Vincent are plus outside shooters. Like that's what their career would kind of tell us in the samples we have. So Miami made it work with what they had. You're right that they couldn't get over the hump. They lost to a more talented team. And I think a team that executed offensively better, but obviously the heat didn't have a Jamal Murray and they certainly didn't have a Nikola Jokic. You know, that's just yep. the bottom line. I mean, Jimmy is better than I think Jam than Jamal, but the Nuggets still had the best player in the series. And, he just simply didn't have any issues executing. So why the Heat are so desperate to get a hold of Dame is, you know, that's the ceiling razor. And that's, you know, the last piece to kind of help you execute. But I think if you had a slightly, like, obviously healthier team, we want Jimmy to have, like, two functioning knees, Hero to have, you know, not a broken wrist, a broken arm, I think if they had like one more guard you can count on, you know, not a 36-year-old Kyle Lowry, not a perpetually injured Victor Oladipo, I think that team looks even better. And I think that team this season, had they had that roster to walk in with, would look definitely better in the regular season. I, I think they just know how to put themselves in good positions and give themselves a fighting chance. I mean, you don't make the finals otherwise without that. But there's definitely some ceiling capping. Like, you need to have offensive hubs from somebody. And you're right. Like, Jimmy just wasn't really that. And honestly, his uh, aggressiveness, I think, was worthy of debate even during the finals. When it's like, yes, you could be injured, but it's also like, in your head, you realize you're the best player on the floor, especially for your team. You kind of have to take shots to keep yourself in it. And there were a couple, specifically, I think it was game two and game five, where Jimmy wasn't taking shots. And it's like, dude, you kind of have to. Like, Bam right. is doing, doing, doing a great job hitting middies, but, like, you're not getting enough offensive help. Uh, and you should kind of expect that because you're getting role players who are coming back down to earth a little bit. Like, that shouldn't be their expectation to step up. It should be your expectation to step up given the fact we think you're a top 10 player and throughout this entire run, you've definitely been that. I just think it's, it's interesting, right? Because every two or three years we see the league go through like a dramatic shift, 
right? Like, like now it feels like the next league in like four to five years is going to be adding size and skill at pretty much every single position and having a bunch of guys on the team that can switch and have multiple different styles of basketball to play. Like, I, I think in the past, if you had, like, a very potent defense, you could get away with not having, like, a high-level offense. But I kind of feel like where the league is going, you're just going to be expected to have both. And, like, if you're not balanced in both, you're not going to be able to win. And, like, I say that because Denver, right? Their defense was able to be better in the playoffs than a lot of people expected. And they had like a transcendent offense and they had size at multiple positions with length. So even though like they didn't have like this top three defense or whatever, they had the size and length and effort and and a strategy with IQ to make up for it in different places. And they had that offense. I don't think a defensive version of Denver without the offensive firepower can work on the flip side. What do you think? No, I mean, I tend to agree. Obviously, Jokic being the best offensive player in the league is pretty essential to their success. But I think other factors that make me think Denver has a great shot at, shot at repeating, but even if, you know, you flip the script and it was someone else with, you know, Denver's roster and whatnot, the fact they have the continuity and chemistry is very important to me just because these guys know each other supremely well. The reason why I have doubts, there's a handful of reasons I have doubts for why, like Phoenix, for example, I don't think really even makes the WCF this year, is because they don't have the chemistry and continuity that a team like Denver has. Like, KD and Booker had a dozen games, roughly, to make it work this past season. And even with one off season and then we hope a you know a good chunk of the regular season i don't think that's going to be enough to truly understand one another and really execute with the whole team like not to mention like all these guys they just brought in now i mean kevin's probably played with a couple of them already but like you still don't know these guys super well now, i think that's something that's obviously not discussed because it's not really a tangible stat but Knowing the guys in your locker room, understanding each other's tendencies, you know, strengths and weaknesses, but also how to communicate with one another is so vital. And Denver also had all of this, you know, turmoil and experience from their previous playoff runs, you know, from the bubble to the duels with Portland uh, and years before that, when, you know, Jokic wasn't a superstar and Jamal wasn't even like really considered all-star caliber yet like they had all these experiences they saw like really defensive minded games they saw like absolute shootouts like the ones they had with in the with the jazz so they got to see all this and knew how to adapt like on this playoff run now they knew they had the knowledge to go out and execute when things got shaky i think a team like phoenix doesn't have it like book and kd have had you know deep playoff runs they themselves as individuals i, I trust but the team, they don't have that gel just yet. Uh, and then the other thing, of course, is health. Like, Denver was healthy this time around, right? Like, 
Jamal was around for most of the season. MPJ, same thing. Jokic really doesn't miss a ton of time. And their role players didn't, like, they didn't have huge injuries to speak of. That's really important. Phoenix, for example, doesn't have that going for them. Do you think Booker, KD, and Beal, any of them play 70 games this year? No, that's a super high number, Derek. (laughs) No, sir. So, okay. So, Booker is the first person I think could play 65. Do you think KD or Beal could play 65? If you make me choose, I would probably lean Beal over KD, but I I really don't know if they crack 65 games played. Right. And then I've got questions that either one of those two players, to me, is going to play 60 games. Like, obviously, we want health for every player, but I'm also looking at the last four seasons for Bradley Beal, and I, I know, like, partially, like, the bubble and COVID may have a part in this, but, like, the last two years, he played 40 games and then 50 games. The year before that was 60. In 2019, it was 57. The last time he played 82 was when he was 25, and now he's about to be 30. So, needless to say, I think something has changed. And not that anyone should really play 82 games for a whole season. Honestly, there's... Not a lot of incentive to actually do so. Uh, but I think the more time you spend with each other on the court is obviously going to be the best way to gel and build chemistry. KD played 32 games when he first came to Brooklyn coming off the Achilles injury. Then 55, then 47, then 39, and then eight regular season games with Phoenix before the playoff runs. And then the playoff runs, you can add, I think it's going to be like 30 games in total. No, like 35 games in total from the playoff runs. So that to me is another big concern I have when it comes to a team like Phoenix, where they've got three offensive juggernauts, DeAndre Ayton, who, I don't know, maybe still has a ceiling week, you know, that like yeah, could okay. be better. Like, I'm not, none of us are confident in that, but like, you have all the offensive pieces you want to be successful, but I don't think they can put it all together if you don't have those intangibles, like the time spent, the experience, and the health. It just doesn't look like it's going to add up. And that's another thing that these championship teams have. Like, how many times have we talked about a team, you know, basically avoiding the injury bug? And they lucked out. I know you've heard about it for Golden State before because yep. especially pre-KD showing up, Steph never went against like the team starting point guard until the finals, right? Like Conley was hurt, Dame had an injury, and then obviously in one of those championships, like Kyrie wasn't there. So like all of those things, you know, combine and are nitpicked. But we could say the same thing about Denver this year. Jimmy wasn't healthy. Tyler Hero wasn't even there. It's And again, to me, you can't take away from the championships at that point. You play who's in front of you. It's circumstantial. There's always a little bit of luck. But that really can be the difference to winning and losing or winning and not even getting there. So it just, you know, more to this, to circle back to KD's like original point, there's just so much more that goes into the game than just an offense or defense or just talent or no talent. 
It's way deeper than that. Yeah, I I definitely would agree with you that there's a lot of depth and complexity to things because while having a half-court offense matters, continuity in understanding what you want to do on both ends to me matters the most. I mean, every time people say the word continuity, what I think of is actually not offense. Like, yes, it takes time to understand exactly what your roles are, but I think those roles find themselves easily. I think over time, the harder part to me though, is having continuity on defense, understanding what you want to do, hard hedges or not. Are we going to switch? Are we like zone? Like what do we do against X, Y, or Z team? And my biggest problem with this Phoenix team is it feels like they said, okay, we're just going to get all of these offensive firepower guys with, with a bunch of role players who can shoot threes. And Frank Vogel, you're going to figure out defense because you are a defensive-minded coach. And that sounds great, right? Like, it it sounds like that is a track that can work. But ultimately, the guys that they got, I don't think they have, like, a, a lockdown I can fully rely on this playoff eight-man rotation consistently. And more than anything... Booker and KD were just beginning to figure out how to play together. And during the rounds, you saw them get more and more comfortable and more used to playing off of each other. Now you're adding in another potentially 30-point-per-game guy in Bradley Beal. So now it's like, okay, we now have to make our offense fit around all three of these guys, which... I still think it'd be positive because, again, you can work on staggers and things of that nature, sure. But then it's like, okay, now how do we make sure that we play really solid defense in these lineups? Like, figuring that out is the yin and yang between what makes a championship team and what doesn't. Because ultimately, every team, as we've seen through the past four or five years, they're going to be flawed in some aspect, right? Like, even Golden State. Jordan Poole was a defensive negative. So in the finals, he had to play lesser minutes, right? Or Draymond at times, he was a offensive liability. So sometimes they would have to sub him out for Jordan Poole. And Kerr literally made those changes in the middle of a tough playoff game with two minutes left to go, right? Like that type of continuity in terms of how the coach understands those players understands what he's confident in what lineups he likes what lineups he's not too high on and the relationship with the players and the coach there is no continuity in that perspective if you compare it to a team who just won like Denver Mike Malone has been there for years Jamal Murray has been there for years. Nikola Jokic has been there for years. So not only do they understand what to do offensively, which I kind of feel like is much easier, but on the defensive end, Mike Malone has been cursing them out for six years. You can't say the same about the Phoenix Suns. So that's why it's kind of really not decided if they're going to be able to take home the title or not. But I think... To KD's point, 
I just feel like where the league is right now, there's so much talent in the NBA. I don't think another build where it's Giannis and a bunch of guys who can play defense, but we're going to have like like the uh, 23rd ranked offense. I don't think a team like that is going to win at all. I think at the minimum, your offense has to be top 10 now. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's a presumption. Like, you can't be anything less and have a chance. I think with the Frank Vogel thing, what bothered me about that hire is, you know, you you mentioned Vogel can figure out the defense because he's a defensive-minded coach, which is true. You know, you want someone who can address weaknesses, right? But his last coaching job in L.A., he was given an offensive roster and Palinka and company made moves that didn't fit Vogel's system. And what happened? How well did that team perform? It was a disaster. Right. And look, it's not just on Vogel. It's not just on the players. But you need a combination to be able to work. And look, Durant, I think there were times certainly in Golden State, and I think at times in Brooklyn, where he looked like the best version of himself defensively. I think he learned a ton from his early years in OKC, I think he learned a ton when he was in Golden State. And I think he just understands, like, his place on the floor now better than he ever did. And so, like, that offers some rim protection, some really good help side defense in, in, the, uh, in terms of, like, deterring people from even coming into the paint and using his length really well. That's cool, but that's not necessarily enough. DeAndre Ayton, he has not been the defender that, you know, fans or anyone has really expected him to turn into excuse me and his motor is you know suspect we'll say uh we we have some questions i think about that consistency so he's not like a true anchor or rim protector necessarily either and then you look at your guards bradley beal is expected to pick up up point guard duties this season and we can talk about his playmaking chops and if that's going to be a good fit but is that a good point of attack defender the answer is no. no. Is Devin Booker an improved defender? Yes. Is he a good one? I don't think so. I mean, him having to take, like, the first or second best guard, given the circumstances, is not ideal. Josh Kogi is the one-plus defender I look at on this roster. And he's still kind of undersized, especially when you're talking about bigger wings. And certainly, you know, anyone that, you know, could flirt with being a big. Uh, Eric Gordon, 6'3". That's probably like your sixth man on this team. Yuta Watanabe wasn't getting playoff rotation minutes last season. I don't know how much of that's going to change this year. But he doesn't have great lateral quickness. And then that's it. I mean, campaign just got traded, so we don't have to even worry about him. But, like, that's we what saw I mean. Eric Gordon. Yeah, like, Gordon is cool as an offensive, you know, boost, especially coming off the bench. Like, that's a good pickup defensively he's certainly not a stopper and i think he can play within a system but i i don't think that's gonna like yield amazing results and then we saw what happened with la this year anthony davis obviously took a a step up from what we expected like in years past defensively like this past playoff run was fantastic but everyone else gelled more and it, it just felt like a little silly to me that you know vogel loses his job early to me 
what it's like if you just gave him pieces that fit his system. I don't know. Chances are it looks you know it looks better. But moving forward with this team, he doesn't have to worry about the offense too much. That's true. Like talent should, especially in the regular season, help you secure plenty of wins. But defensively, I don't think he's been given the best hand to work with. And I think people are going to be frustrated or disappointed when it comes out in the regular season. I think regardless of what happens with the Suns during the regular season, I again think the real question behind all the moves is, is this enough to beat Denver? And I will say, like, (laughs) how people talked about Chris Paul, Kevin Durant, and Devin Booker is what the Suns should be this year. Because certain people said, oh, my God, they have the best mid-range shooters. Um, They're going to put Jokic in multiple actions. Well, Chris Paul basically was not there in the playoffs Mm -hmm. versus that team. He was not that much of a offensive threat he can manage pace and occasionally knock down the mid-range but ultimately he's not going to be the go-to get a bucket guy that Bradley Beal will be so offensively again like you said it looks better but this quote from KD about offense wins you championships we're gonna see how much it is because obviously this is a offensively slanted roster on paper all the way through and through. And the point of people saying defense wins championships is defense is the one thing that can stay consistent from a night-to-night basis. You can miss 27 straight threes, but you can always play good enough defense, especially if you have a consistent half-court offense. I think the Suns' offense, again, can be great, can be super explosive. But keeping up with other teams who can also torch you in the paint is going to be what I really look at the most. So not quite sure where I fall on things, but in the NBA, every conversation has to be either the biggest extreme or the biggest calm. I'm more so in the middle between the two, right? Like I think a fundamental great half-court offense paired with a good, consistent defense is the answer to winning championships. It's not just offense. It's not just defense. This new era of the NBA is going to be a blend of size and skill with continuity. And all those things collectively, that is what wins championships, not anything else. To that final point, Derek, what do you say? I wholeheartedly agree. I think everything we laid out, you know, it wasn't, it did not turn into a heated conversation. I think we agree on just about every point from a, a basketball philosophy. And I think, you know, this season, KD and the Suns have the biggest, you know, this is the best opportunity to prove what we just said wrong and to prove a ton of other doubters wrong. If this team can win a championship, then you've opened the door to so much more. I think of how teams will look at roster construction. Because, I mean, just, you know, if we, we've discussed at nauseum about, you know, the new CBA and, like, team constructions and stuff. You know, this is a three-star team with, 
you know, we think some depth issues. That's not the way it seems the NBA is going. You know, we're looking at one superstar or one superstar and another star, you know, two star variations, right? That and then you build some depth. Like you find an eight man rotation. That's the way the NBA is going. The champions of this past year are that. The champions before that were that. And the Bucks also were that. So that's the trend I think the NBA is heading. So the Suns are not only bucking like that trend, they're attempting to be like an you know an all offensive team as well. So if they do that, they completely shift how we look at team construction as well as talent. Because I agree. I mean, I think the NBA is only going for bigger and better as far as athleticism. I mean, it's no coincidence that I think we're on this trend and then a Victor Wembanyama arrives to the NBA, who is quite possibly the, no pun intended, the biggest example of this. So I look forward to this season for sure. And I do think, you know, the philosophies will be tested. I have a a suspicion that we're both going to be proven right, but we have to wait and see before we can, uh, you know, taking congratulatory uh, lap and say that we were right the whole time. Yeah, but um, I can't wait, man. I think overall, great conversation on this podcast episode. If you guys missed last week's, we also talked about Bradley Beal, uh, Dame, and James Harden for quite some time. Uh, I know on the Sixers side, a lot is still in the works for what your team is going to do. Apparently James Harden still wants out, but like you said, he's probably going to stay. So we'll have to see how all these things play out. But guys, make sure to tap in to the Not Just Dribble podcast. I talk basketball with Derek almost all the time, and I'm pretty sure that's going to continue all throughout this offseason. Make sure to appreciate basketball because guess what? There is no more of it, and I'm going to be honest with you. I was so burnt out from the entire regular season. I did not partake in that much live watching of these summer league games. I don't think the product of basketball is great, but I will be evaluating previous regular seasons and, of course, previous NBA playoff watch parties. So if you're down for that, we will be having some live streams here or there, but we'll also be streaming these games in the Discord if you want to watch and tap in for some old school hoops. But as always, my name is Gifted. I want to say I appreciate all the support that I've been getting so far. I'm almost at 1,000 subscribers on the YouTube side of things, and I'm trying to be as consistent as possible with these podcast episodes. Every Tuesday, you can prepare for a drop from the Gifted Hoops podcast until further notice. If that changes, I promise I will keep you guys engaged with that stuff. But... Derek, as a guest on the Gifted Who's podcast, any final words for this pod before we close? Nah, just appreciate it. Appreciate the plug. Uh, yeah, we'll be discussing basketball the whole offseason and all the way up until next season. Uh, for sure, check out the Discord. I look forward to the watch parties where we can actually dissect the game. You know, we it's not just fandom nonsense. We very much watch the games uh and go over them that's why i really look forward to and like as a coach i mean that's just how much i enjoy the game like that's the whole thing is watching to me can be the most fun so really look forward to it and uh yeah appreciate the combo gifted 
Absolutely. Peace out, people. We'll catch you next week.